Inside Golf Podcast, episode 65 already. I am uh, I am your host, Andy Lack. Great show today. Talking Houston Open with my good buddy, uh, writer for Golf Digest, co-host of the Be Right Podcast, Chris Powers. CP is a great friend of mine, so we do go a little bit off the rails and talk about a wide variety of topics outside of who is going to win the Houston Open. So I hope that doesn't trigger the strictly picks people. We get to that too, but we also talk about uh, the Golf Digest Company Tournament, uh, NFL Survivor Strategy, and make fun of our friend Nagel. So a lot of fun stuff in this podcast that I think you will enjoy. Also want to mention, if you are looking for more golf analysis from me, I went on Mayo's DraftKings show. That is already out. And also this morning, I went on my good friend, uh, frequent guest on this show, Spencer Aguiar's podcast, The Better Golf Podcast, which is one of my favorite golf podcasts. I mean, I've been listening to them since episode one and I haven't missed an episode since. So I'm lucky to call Spencer a friend and he is one of the smartest golf minds that I have ever met. So if you're looking for more of my uh, lukewarm golf takes, you can also find me on Mayo this week and the Better Golf Podcast, which are both available anywhere you get your podcasts. Okay, let's get to my conversation with Chris. All right. Chris Powers of Golf Digest is here. A lot of things to get to today. It's been too long since we've done a podcast together. I've got an agenda of topics that I want to discuss with you today. I've, I've prepared you for none of them, as is tradition. CP, how are you doing tonight, my friend? Huge day for you tomorrow. Huge day. Wow. You're, uh, you're in tune to that, huh? Yeah. I mean, that was <laughs> what we were going to talk about for 45 <laughs> minutes. Yeah. That was, that was the game plan. <laughs> Huge Apparently there's a golf tomorrow. tournament this week, but there, I'm little, more concerned about the other one. There's a there's a couple golf tournaments this week. I'm playing in one of them tomorrow. It's a pretty big deal. Uh, a lot of history. It's called the Sites Cup. I believe his name was Nick Sites, big golf digest legend, kind of started the thing. And it's been um, a yearly occurrence um, for a very long time. And it's kind of the one that, you know, we have a couple other company get-togethers on the golf course here and there throughout the year. But this is the one that literally everyone drops what they're doing to kind of show up for because it's like young versus old, kind of gets cut off at like 32 years of age. It's a Ryder Cup type deal. Uh, it's only one day. It's a two-man scramble, handicap, all that. And people take it very seriously. Obviously, it's, it's fun in the end. But uh, yeah, it's a big deal. So I don't know. I'm excited. I am in, I got somehow put in a group with Dan Rappaport, like playing against him. Um, Max Adler, who is the editor of our magazine. Um, the two of them are both, I believe down around two handicap, one handicaps. Uh, Dan hits the ball 350 yards, hundred yards further than I do. Max, you know, can throw up a 68 kind of with his eyes closed. And then my teammate is this guy, Curtis. He's a golf TV guy, um, behind the scenes type guy who is apparently a plus 3.6. So I'm going to be chopping it. I'm going to be the chopper of the group, which I don't know how that's going to work. Um, either in my favor, you know, when I play with people that good, I tend to, um, kind of tense up, but, uh, it is a scramble and I don't know, maybe, I, maybe I can just swing away and, and, uh, be freed up by all the, the great golfers around me. And, uh, Contrary to popular belief, I've played H Hudson National before, and I find oh, you guys pretty... are going to you guys are going to Hudson National, Hudson National, Tom oh, the, Fazio, the Foz, Tom Fazio, the, the Foz. 
I got to play it once, I think two years ago now, and they met open uh, media day. You know, I like to kind of blow it around off the tee, um, you know, aim 20 yards right of the fairway and hook it back in. And I think you can do that here. And I, I recall doing that. Now the fescue wasn't up the last time I, I played there. So we'll see if it's up tomorrow, but uh, I'm excited. Very, very excited to, for everybody to get together. We actually got together today to have a little in-person meeting for the first time in a while, but not tomorrow is the whole crew golf digest golf tv it's gonna be a, it's gonna be very very fun okay i got a couple questions before i <laughs> before i attempt to handle sorry for the rambling no, no 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 i got a couple i got a couple of things so oh my god you should see hennessy uh hennessy we'll, we'll, there's we'll, 13 we'll there's him. 13 yeah. matches <laughs> there's 13 yeah. matches and he uh he posted odds for everyone in our little company slack this morning so plenty of plenty of trash talk okay all right a couple things first of all are you so the guy that you're with is a plus three point six, and Rappaport has played with him before and says it's it's legit. You know, he, totally legit. Like one of those guys that has the same ball flight every, every shot he hits and can you know easily shoot sixty eight and won the club championship at Sleepy Hollow. This dude. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I so I don't know. I don't know Rappaport personally, but uh, I know he can play. Because I think he, I want to say that his dad is still a member of the course that I play at in LA. And I, I'm not, I'm not sure about that. Um, but I know that he, some of the games that I play and some of the guys that I play with at my club in LA, they all know him and have played with him and they're like, yeah, he can, he can really play. So that's He's legit. Yeah, that's that's going to be a little bit of an issue. Is Big Jerry playing? Jerry can play. Jerry is playing. I believe he's like he used to be. From what I've heard, a scratch as well. Yeah, and he's the guy that he's the reason you guys are playing Hudson National. I assume. I'm not. I think Steve actually set it up. To be honest, Steve's our course ranking guru, as many people know, and obviously (laughs) the gambling guy, jack of all trades. I think Steve had had a big hand in it. Um, I know Hallie Ledbetter. May, may have had a hand in it. I, I might be talking out of my ass here. I, I'm not positive. I kind of try and stay out of all that stuff and just uh, show up when and where, whenever, wherever I'm told. All right. So I, I, when I, you initially said that you were playing with a 3.6, my worry is in some of these like team scramble events, you actually don't want to be with the guy that has a you super, are super low handicap. 100% correct. So apparently, like where you're we're going to be giving shots to Dan and Max, which is terrifying to me. Like that's, that's a two for one situation on like a par three or a, say a short par four that Dan can, you know, if Max hits in the fairway, Dan can hit driver. And I've seen him drive a 330 yard par four before. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty worried because if they're, if Dan and Max are getting shots, and I'm not, you know, I'm the high handicap. I'm an eight, but I can, you know, I can shoot an 85 very easily. I can shoot 90 very easily. So I'm the one who should be getting shots. And I think I'm not getting any. I think they're getting shots off of us, which is, it's going to be interesting. Are all of the, I feel like they, did they just put all of the best players in the same group or most of the people? No, so this was golf digest, like really low handicaps. No, usually we do this year. Uh, I don't want to say anything stupid, but it was, it doesn't seem perfectly organized. Let's just say um, Dan and I were actually very last minute ads. 
like we were forgotten kind of, and um, that might've been partially me and Dan's fault for not RSVPing, but yeah, so we had to kind of scramble for a couple of matches. So that's kind of why Dan and I ended up in the same group with these two other really good players. But usually it's, you know, if we're all in person at the office, normally we have like a Ryder cup pairings thing where like everyone's in the same room. The two captains are literally going like tit for tat um, on a whiteboard. And um, it, it usually results in some good pairings, low handicap, high handicap. This year, I think that we added a ton more people with, with the golf TV side of it. So um, it's a little bit of a, a shit show in a good way, you know, the more the merrier, obviously, but, um, normally it's like, there's like six total matches and it's high handicap, low handicap, and it's, and it's pretty evenly matched. So we got a ton of matches tomorrow. I think it's like 13 or 14 matches. So it's a shotgun. It's going to be pretty chaotic. I don't think Hudson national is kind of ready for what's about to happen tomorrow, but it's going to be a ton of fun for sure. All right. I, I like your chances because I think you're I think you're a little bit better than an eight. I'll say this though, you guys just hired uh this girl Gabby Herzig who went to school yep. with my brother. She can play. Yes. So she's on my team. I am on the young team, believe it or not. And Dan kind of got screwed on the old team. I like I'm older than Rappaport. Rappaport kind of seems like an older guy, but he's actually like 28. I'm 29. But because of this late addition situation, um, Dan somehow got placed on the old team and I'm on the young team and the young team has, so Gabby, I know is good. I don't know if you know the name, Christina Parcells is her name. She was a recent hire as well. I've played with her. She's a New Jersey girl. Remember at um, Somerset Hills and I live right down the street from Somerset Hills. So she kind of got amazing course, but my favorite New Jersey besides Pine Valley, which I did get to play once. So (laughs) not to brag, but uh, yeah, I played with her. She invited me to Somerset Hills. And I mean, the girl is like, I think she's a three, hits the ball further than me, like from the same tees, unbelievable player, straight, straight as an arrow. So we have a ton of, our girls are like all low handicaps. And then we've got a bunch of dudes that are actually pretty good too. So I like our chances a lot, but the old guys are going to be getting a ton of, ton of strokes. So um, that's the handicap system at work for you. Yeah. The only reason that I know that she's good is because I was playing, uh, she plays at this course, Old Oaks in Westchester that I have a couple buddies at. And I was playing there, uh, I think in August with one of my buddies and I was looking at the wall and she's won the club championship there like eight times. <laughs> I didn't realize she was that good. So she's probably, so she's probably even better than Christina, who I just mentioned then. I, I don't know. I've never, I've never played with her, but that course is tough. And, uh, it's kind of a sectional qualifier for, Many, yeah. you know, every, every few years. No, exactly. it, it, Old Oaks is a great course. All right. Well, I'm excited to, I'm excited to hear how it goes, man. Who's, I can't believe anyone's interested in it besides us. That, that's the no, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated. I was going to say like, I was going to say, maybe we do this at the end. So the people are like, Whoa, came for the golf picks. Weren't you talking about the golf picks, but, um, who cares? Uh, we could talk football at the end. Yeah. Uh, that's what I'm most interested in. No, I know. Cause I was going to say, we talk, we, we talk way more about football to each other than we do about golf. <laughs> 100%. I like, I, I tell these people all the time, golf's my job. I love it. Of course. I love playing golf, but football is everything. It's like my whole life. I played it growing up and it's just like my favorite thing in the world. It's the best sport in the world. 
you know, that's why like I'll go on a tangent about it on, on our podcast and I can, you can see Steve rolling his eyes in the background of the zoom call because he wants to get back to the, the golf picks and we are a golf podcast, but football is like, you know, family for me. It's, it's everything. First of all, <laughs> Steve can go fuck off. I love, <laughs> I listen to, I love be right. And I think some of the best parts are when you guys go on tangents. Uh, try to all, tell. all of your tangents are welcome on my podcast as well. We can go off in, in any direction that you want. Well, ask, who's Steve playing with? Who's Steve's partner? Steve is playing with, oh my God. I know it. I'm going to pull it up really quickly for you. Um, da, 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 da. He's on the team old, obviously. New dad that <laughs> makes you pretty much automatic team old and in his thirties. So Steve and I were partners for the first three years of my sites cup career. I think we went one, one and one or, or two, one and oh, or something like that. We were team New Jersey. Um, great, great team because Steve's like a 14, 13 and I was an eight. So we would get a ton of shots. He's playing with a- the sales guy that no one would really know Terry Katz. <laughs> and he, apparently made himself a minus 140 favorite according to this odds list. Of course he did. <laughs> of, course, of course he did. All, all odds courtesy of Caesar Sportsbook. Of course he did. Um, or is that, what do you get? You never mind. You, I was going to say, I, I forgot what you're, are you still William Hill at Be Right? We are, no, we're kind of, we were my bookie for a few weeks. It kind of fluctuates week to week. Um, I think we're working on a little something long-term. I obviously can't disclose. So, um, (laughs) hopefully, uh, hopefully that happens. And once it does, everyone will know. All right. Well, that's a nice transition to talk about the, uh, betting board for this golf tournament. Chris, uh, we're going to the Hewlett, uh, Packard Houston open. Uh, yeah, this event is, it's being held at uh, Memorial park. It's a it's a Muni right near uh, downtown Houston. I already hate this event because it's being funded by the Astros Foundation, where Ugh. the Astros have all this money if their team wasn't cheating for the past decade. That's my <laughs> question to you, Chris. No, they would not. And now, now I'm already worried about uh, our team, the Yankees, throwing a bunch of money at Correa, who to me would be the equivalent of like, you know, I've gotten over a lot of things over the years. Johnny Damon, I was well, able to Cole, get over really quickly. The Cole contract's the worst, too. I, I mean, yeah, I know, I know, and I knew, I you know, obviously he's had his moments, but I kind of was always afraid of, you know, anytime a guy just mows down the Yankees in the playoffs, and then the Yankees try and steal the guy, it just never lives up to the hype. And and I think Correa would would be the, the same deal. And I hate Correa so much because he was the during the whole scandal, he was the worst with like basically un- unapologetic and everyone's being a big baby and we won anyway and suck it up. We cheated, blah, blah, blah. So um, that would be like the equivalent of when Terrell Owens was on the Cowboys and the Eagles. That was the one guy like I could never root for if he came to the Giants. And I, and I feel like that with um, if Correa came to the Yankees, I, I would have a really tough time rooting for that that dude uh, in pinstripes. I fucking hate Altuve too. Uh, <laughs> the okay. worst. I heard some rumor about maybe he could be a Yankee too. Uh, that would be puke worthy. I, I can't stand those two, but they are good players. Uh, uh, I will say that. Golf. Um, okay. 
You brought up the Astros. Yeah. This course is a, uh, it's a par 70. It measures 7,432 yards. It's designed by uh, John Bredemus. Uh, in 1935, but it got a total overhaul in 2019 from Tom Doak, uh, who I really like, uh, with input from Brooks Kepka. Um, there are Bermuda grass greens, Bermuda grass rough. It it played pretty difficult last year. Carlos Ortiz won at minus 13, and the cut was plus three. Uh, so a nice little change up from some of the birdie fests that we've seen uh, over the fall swing. I got a couple nuggets I can add, but I'll let you hop in first. Is there anything that you're looking for specifically this week with this course? No, I, I am looking forward to, I, I, now I do recall you, um, what you just said about it being a little harder. I recall one of the par threes playing like a, a real bitch yeah. uh, last year, which, which is always fun to watch these guys kind of reduced to looking like us, but yeah. Uh, excited. It's always fun to see a new course. And I recall this one getting uh, some, some decent reviews, a year ago. So excited to see it again. And I'll be a little more locked in this week than I was uh, last week. Yeah. I'm excited because I really like Tom Doak as a designer. Yep. He tends to have some pretty interesting green complexes. And it's also just anytime you get a more difficult test, um, I think that's a little bit more exciting or at the very least, like, like I said, a nice change up from what we've been getting. I think for me, like the main thing that I'll be focusing on, um, I'm tending to look, I tend to always look towards more well-rounded players. Anytime you get on a more difficult course, I just think that better golf courses just kind of ask more of you. They do a better job of exposing your flaws. And I think if you can hit it pretty far off the tee are good from like 175 yard plus and have a good short game. Um, there are barely any bunkers here. So you have to be really good at chipping off of those uh, tight Bermuda wise. Um, I think you're in pretty good shape, but, uh, again, we only have like one year of sample size on this. So I always say like, yeah, played this way last year, but I mean, we're still not totally sure if this played a lot easier than we saw last year or a lot harder, uh, than we saw last year. I wouldn't be entirely shocked either. Should we get to the odds? Let's do it. All right. So all odds are, I'm using DraftKings right now, Chris, but you can throw out whatever numbers you want. I'm going to give you cool. the uh, the 30 and below guys. Um, Sam Burns is 12 to 1 on DraftKings. <laughs> Scotty Scheffler is 18. Cam Smith, 18. Sungjae, 20. Gooch, 22. Matthew Wolf, 25. Hatton, 25. Uh, Tony Finau, 25. Brooks Kepka 28 to 1. Aaron Wise, 30 to 1. Joaquin Neiman, 30 to one. Uh, I know you are a serial skipper of the top like myself often. Um, who are, do you, is there anyone in this range that you're interested in? I were li living in a world where, and this is our boy, but Taylor, uh, Taylor Gooch, shorter odds than Brooks Kepka at a course that Kepka supposedly had a, a ton of input on half the um, odds of I Patrick Reed. <laughs> And I know you texted me when Gooch made his little run on on Sunday. This is the one week um, we I, and I was with you. I hopped off hopped off him this week, this past week too, after betting him quite a bit. I feel like top ten on Gooch, you'd be rich over the last month month plus. Gooch has um, made me a fair amount of money over there. <laughs> I've been high on him early, and I'm gonna sell high now. But yeah. yeah. He's really good. We've been to, me and my buddy Rob. We've been like Gooch is underpriced every week. He's really good. And yep. there you go. There you go. I am pretty enticed by Brooks again, and I know that uh, that burned me 
last week, but um, yeah, played well here last year. I think he tied for fifth. Obviously, I just said input on the course. Um, I, I don't put too much into him. His struggles at any any time. Um, I think he's always one round away, one six under away from kind of putting it all together. You mentioned chipping off of type or mutilize. I've tweeted this before. I, you know, my life was on the line on one of those tight, tight chips around the greens. I'm, I'm putting Brooks Kepka in and, and he's chipping it to four feet and making the putt. So, um, again, you're just betting on, on the ceiling of, of Brooks Kepka. Um, and I know it's not a, a major week and he, you know, he played well here last year. The masters was the following week. So he was kind of really ramping up. So you could argue, um, there's not really much motivation for for anything for him right now. He might just be going through the motions. Um, I don't think he's preparing hard for uh, Bryson DeChambeau on Thanksgiving. So if you want to argue back to me that there's no motivation, he's playing like crap. Uh, the approach game over the last handful of weeks hasn't been great. That's all correct, and uh, you would be right in saying that, but I'm betting on Brooks 28 to 1, 30 to 1, pretty much every time, anywhere, anywhere on the planet. Okay. So you are one of many. It seems like everyone <laughs> is, uh, is coming out of the woodwork to bet Brooks this week. And, and take it from a seasoned Brooks backer who's been backing him for the last mm-hmm. couple of weeks. This would be my counter to your Brooks point, Chris. So what's happening with Brooks right now, um, it reminds me a little bit of the Chiefs. Um, so I remember a couple of weeks ago when the cheer Chiefs, for all the football analogies, all the football analogies right? I can only pull these. Out I love it. You, so I'm I going love it already. Yeah. I love it okay. already. Love all right. So, going. all right. So tell me if you follow this. So I remember a couple of weeks ago when the chiefs got murdered by the Titans and everyone started really piling dirt on this team. It was the first week that everyone was like, this team sucks. And <laughs> People started saying, no, if you actually watch this team with your eyes, they are really, really, really bad right now. And so as soon as people started saying that, what did I do? I immediately hammered the Chiefs next week, minus 10 to beat the Giants. Mm -hmm. Now, I sat down on Monday night and I watched that game from start to finish. And it was the first time that I had actually sat down and watched every play of a Chief game this year. Like no red zone, really get into the flow of the game, really locked in. And Chris, they were so, so, so bad. I was, terrible so, I was so <laughs> astonished with how poor of a football team they were. Like if you remove the name Chiefs, you would objectively think like, man, this is not a good football team. And I'm bringing this full circle, I promise. My point with all of this is... Sometimes you have to see it with your eyes to believe it. And I sat down on Friday afternoon to watch the coverage on Brooks. Shout out to guys like me and you who now get to get paid to watch golf. Uh, New to the party. It's fucking fantastic. I'm loving it so far. And Brooks was in the featured group on Friday. So I got to almost all of his round. And I try and think of myself as a pretty smart golf watcher. I think I'm pretty good at if I really lock in kind of being able to pick up some of the little things with body language and swing and intent on certain shots versus execution and how certain guys are choosing to play certain shots and and what you can kind of tell about their confidence level from that. There's a lot of nuances if you kind of try and pick up on it. And here's my takeaway from watching Brooks. That man is has no idea where the golf ball is going right now. None. No idea 
where the golf ball is going right now. That was not a man who just missed a couple putts and wanted a more carefree weekend with Jetta in Mexico. Like I heard the narrative of Brooks didn't care about this tournament. Like, no, man, he was grinding out there. He wanted to play well at that tournament. His game just isn't there right now. Your boy Rappaport did a good job. I was just going to mention that. I didn't read it. I saw the headline um, that he was searching. So Dan's usually pretty good, like you said, at picking up on that stuff. So um, I'm all ears to you. I haven't actually made the bet yet, but um, based off of doing no research so far for this tournament, as I said, I was in California over the weekend. Um, maybe I'll uh, I'll take your advice and back off because I, I trust you watched on Friday and, and I trust everything you're saying. And the Chiefs analogy um, sold me as well. Well, okay. Hold, I, I'm like, I know exactly what you're saying. We're, I'm, tr- I'm trying to talk for them to turn. We're, go ahead. Sorry. I'm trying to talk through this too. I, I'm I'm like on the I'm on the fence as well. The, the only point I was bringing up is I think Rappaport. I think he said it because I read the whole piece and I was was locked in because I did bet Brooks last week and he was like, "Yeah, Brooks is the last man on the range." And you read all of the quotes and he's Brooks is the first one to tell you he's not confident in his golf swing right now and he's just trying to play through it. His words, not mine. So. With all that being said, like I love this course for him, and that maybe it takes a harder course to stimulate him. He's said mm-hmm. before, I think this was at the Travelers, where he said it's just different golf where you don't really have to think on every shot at most of these PGA Tour courses, and this course is definitely going to require more of your attention. So maybe there's something there. My just the my thing with with Brooks is is it's like we keep thinking that he's going to flip a switch and take it from somebody that lost a lot of money on Dustin Johnson last year. Like just because he flipped the switch for the PGA championship or just because he flipped the switch for the waste management, it's like, it's not a guarantee that he's just going to flip the switch this week because you actually watch the golf. It was really fucking ugly. And it was not a guy um, I've seen Brooks, you know, look like he's really close and not score well because sometimes he can go ice cold with the putter. This was not that. Um, so that would be my hesitation. But Chris, you know how hard it is to jump off a guy if you've been if very you've been hard fighting him forever. And now it's like, oh, you guys wanna you guys want to get in on the Brooks thing? Like now I'm gonna so I I'm trying to talk through it. I don't know, man. Yeah, I uh I, I understand everything you're saying, and um, I do love the point you made about maybe maybe this course kind of um, locks him in a little bit more. And uh, I don't know though you make some you make some solid points. Um, and Dustin, like you said, we we kept waiting for him, and it kind of never really happened until like the British Open. I think he finally posted it like a top six or something like that. And then e- even after that, it still took to the Ryder Cup for him to really kind of round into form. But I don't know if I'm going to bet on anyone to flip the switch. Um, I think it is Brooks Kepka at this number. You only get so many opportunity. Although I don't know, he seems to be the guy that, that gets these numbers quite often, more often than a lot of the top guys, just because of how disengaged he can some sometimes appear to be. Although he claims he's practices all the time. Now he, you know, loves to contradict himself. Yeah. That's the thing too, is it's like he, uh, he said he's a range rat now and he's <laughs> healthy. So he's practicing. Basically, if you're betting on Brooks, you're betting that he's figuring something out on the range between, 
now and this tournament, which I don't know, you, you've been to, you've covered way more golf tournaments than me in person. Do you feel like guys can be completely lost on the range and then in a week they can kind of figure it out overnight? I feel like it, I feel like it happens a lot. I feel like guys, like they grind after their, they grind after their round or whatever and something clicks and the next day they're awesome. Rappaport said he was like, Brooks was literally the last man on the range this week. Yeah. Putting in the work, you know, I wouldn't want to be the guy not on him this week. Um, and to your point, I'm, I'm thinking of, you know, Alex Noren at when I was in Vegas, played with him in the pro-am, um, played, I thought he hit the ball really well in the pro-am, um, chatted him up a little. Then I saw him go out and shoot like plus one on Thursday and then watched him on the range for, he must've been out there for two hours, ended up, you know, finishing whatever 60th something. And then he ended up playing really well the following week. I I forget which week uh, it was. So maybe he found something that Thursday on the range that didn't really um, come to a head till the following, the following week. So uh, um, you make a good point there. And maybe, maybe that's this week for Brooks Kepka. And like I said, I would not want to be off him when, when that, that switch does flip. And this is, let's be honest, this is a bad way to bet. But this is it. This is your last opportunity until we see him again in January. So why not one last Hail Mary on Brooks? All right. Yeah, I think I'm, I mean, like if I want to I want to get your take because I know that you, like me, are a serial zagger. And as soon as I as soon as I saw um but and then I was talking to my friend Luke this morning as well, who's a serial Brooks better and also likes likes to do his fair share of zagging and you know, if both of my diehard zaggers are on him too, then maybe this is just written in stone. Yeah, I, I thought I was zagging it. on him last week, and now I'm squaring on him. So um, sometimes the squares are right. Yeah. Okay. All right, Brooks. Let's do it. Anyone else you want to talk about in this uh, in this range before we kind of dive into that mid tier? Hmm. Just, I would love your take on Wolf right now, and. I know a certain someone already picked him and people love to clown on that certain someone on, on Twitter. So uh, yeah, that, that probably also feels a little square this week, but um, would love to hear your take. And, and uh, if you think that's, a, that's a decent bet this week. Um, I'm kind of loose. I, I kind of said the same thing to Pat when we just did our, our his DraftKings show. Like I, I'm kind of neutral on, on Wolf. There's guys in this range that I like, a little bit more. Uh, I sometimes get worried about guys that are coming off, um, like it can, like all these guys like, uh, Scheffler and Wolf and, um, Neiman, I guess a little bit and Gooch and all, all these guys that, that were kind of in the mix prominently at the Mayakoba. Um, I don't know. Sometimes I like to go in a different direction and take some of the guys that either like miss the cut on the number or finish like T40 and are coming in with a little, they, they weren't playing for competitive, um, like in the moment contention rounds of golf. I think playing golf in contention is a little bit, uh, different than, you know, when you're just out there, you know, 15 strokes off the lead, but make the cut. And I think with Wolf, um, I think he's kind of, he's coming back. Like he's, he's warming his, he's warming himself up to being a guy that should be priced around 25 to one. But I still think that he, 
he's capable of putting three really good rounds together and it's just cleaning up that last round. Like I bet him at the Shriners and it was the same thing. He was awesome for three rounds and then he showed up on Sunday and it was just, he was completely lost. Same thing happened at the Mayakoba. He was awesome for three rounds and then it, it was that one round on Saturday where he was just terrible. So I think he's close, but I'm going to pass on him at this number. I uh, I will too. I love that point. I think, I think we do overvalue the very, the very recent uh, T4s and T5s. Like that's just an automatic sign of, of a win is coming in the following weeks. I would love to hit on him maybe February. If yeah. He creeps back up to 40, um, depending on the course, depending on the week. So I think, uh, I think I'll hold off on him as well this week. Yeah. Guy down here at 40, we're going to go to the mid tier. He's on my roster, our fantasy roster, our Jersey fantasy roster. Loves a tough golf course. I know who you're going. Um, <laughs> loves, loves, loves to kind of um, at these tougher on these tougher weeks, kind of grind out the first three days and then throw up like a 65 on Sunday and, and vault like 10 spots up the leaderboard. Mark Leishman down here at 40 to one. Yeah, I I totally get the Leishman sentiment. He's he's an Aussie uh, in in Texas, and and that's a that's a thing. Apparently, Pat was just telling me. Um, so yeah, I like Leishman. I I think my one pushback with Leishman is it feels like a lot of his he's been popping up a little bit more, but it's been a lot of uh, putting recently. Like at yep. I think it was the Fortnite where, and there's one other where he really popped up. He gained was, gained seven. Back yeah. to back weeks. Yeah. So, and Shriners. So that that would be that would be kind of my my only concern with uh with Leishman is that the ball striking's still not totally there yet and he's kind of relying a little bit much on his putter. I'll give you another because now we're now we're in the, the tasty range for me. Well, I guess this guy on DraftKings, he's he's twenty five to one, but I I really like Hatton this week. And uh, mm. I think that I I got him at thirty two, I think, which is kind of you know, I think probably what I'm going to end up doing is I'm just going to bet like four guys in the 30 to 50 range and call it a day. And I think this is a good course for Hatton. He's, he's uh, a grinder. He plays better in, in more difficult conditions. His, his long irons are awesome. And he's got a really good history too on Bermuda courses. Like he won, I, I think Memorial, like I, I can't think of any like really good comps that I feel great about, but I mean, the API is a long, uh, kind of more difficult, like firm and fast Bermuda course. And he won that one. And he's also finished second at the Palmetto and third at the heritage all on Bermuda. And his best results kind of seem to be on more difficult golf courses. And I I don't think anyone's really going to talk about him or, or play him. He had kind of a quiet, quiet week last week at the Mayakoba. Um, he could have been way better than 40th, but he kind of had a final, uh, he kind of stumbled to like a one over in the final round. But, um, I, I like Hatton a lot. And then the other guy that I really like in, in the thirties was, was I, is Adam Scott on your roster? I was just going, he's not, yes, he is. That's right. He is. Yeah. Maybe that's who you thought I was going to, I think he I, wins I this I week. two Aussies. <laughs> I was literally just going to say, what are your thoughts on Scott? Because yeah, another, guy who kind of pops at tougher courses um where you don't have to you know make eight million birdie putts um to win so uh, if you think he's gonna win i i'm definitely gonna bet on adam scott I, that was one of the first ones that jumped off the page for me yeah i bet him at 36 to 1 which i thought was a really good number on adam scott i'm just kind of leaning into this like 
this course is going to be more difficult. And so like all these guys, I'm betting like Scott and Lowry and Hatton yeah. and Brandon Grace and like Bazaden out, right? Like I, <laughs> uh, another guy I was going to mention to you because it's a Bermuda week, total Bermuda God, Christian Bazaden Hote. Um, yeah. Why not Bez? I, I'm a huge Bez guy, as you know, down, what's he down here? 70 to one. Like he usually is. Oh yeah. no. 45 to one. See, that's the issue because that's the issue <laughs> with our boy. That's the issue with our boy Bez, especially if I'm going to getting too much respect. If I'm, if I'm going to add Brooks, then somebody has to right. go to the ch- chopping block. Go. You know, we're, we're, we're responsible with our, with our outrights here. Yeah. I think, I think Scott Hatton, and then Lowry is the other guy in this range that yeah, I really, I was say. yeah, that I really like a lot. He has mm-hmm. kind of that similar profile. I'm all kind of banking on the same skill set here. But Lowry finished 11th here last year, and he gained 9.9 strokes from T to Green, lost 1.4 strokes putting. So he very well could have like won. And you know the irons have been awesome. I love him on a more difficult golf course where he can grind. He's towards the top and bogey avoidance and scrambling and all those kind of things that you look for on what seems to be a more difficult test. Um, he's been pretty terrible in his two starts this year. Um, with the CJ Cup, he was bad, and then he missed the cut at the Mayakoba. But he did finish T4 at uh, the Alfred Dunhill Links, like uh three weeks before. So it, it doesn't seem like he's too far off. And I don't know. I just, I like that he's won, you know, British open Bridgestone played really well at yeah. us open PGA Memorial Tory pines, like all these more difficult courses. I think this is just a really good spot for the Lowry's and the Adam Scott's and, and the Hattons of the world that show up at like the Rivieras and the Tory pines and the Bay Hills and the majors. I, I think this I everything you're saying right now yeah. is everything you're saying right now is talking me into Patrick Reed now because um, I hop tried to hop on that train at Mayakoba and he looks like he finished 56th, but uh, that seems like a good time to kind of zag back to to Reed here around the Green God, um, another great Bermuda putter, another guy who plays these tough courses really well. Obviously, won at Tory, um, played well at Memorial last year. Oh man. Back down to 40 to one, too. I love it. I, I just like that. That's the thing. cards like, full. Cards yeah, full. I, no, the <laughs> cards full. Cards full. Um, yeah, man, I, all these guys. And, and I, I love Reed this week. I, I was literally just talking him up on, on Mayo's show. I think he's a fantastic DraftKings play this week. I, I The only reason why I lean Hatton and Scott a little bit more is I, I just, I'm, I'm kind of objectively concerned about how bad he is with He's his. He's been very bad. I can't believe he finished second at Bermuda out of nowhere. Because coming into that week, I mean, it's just all red. If if you look at his fantasy national profile, everything is red. Yeah, exactly. And and I mean that was a corn fairy tour van, and and I, right. I think you could you could probably argue that this is the best course for Reed that um, we've seen in a while. Like some of those results, he plays a lot now, which, you know, and he plays on a lot of courses that I don't think are great for his game, but this is a good one for his game. So I, I, yeah, I I think he's probably the guy that I would like uh, the most kind of in this range outside of the guys that I'm betting, but I probably, I probably give the slight lean to, to Lowry and Scott. 
anyone else before there's some other names that I think are that are think are viable in, in this range. Anyone else that kind of has your attention before we move into that like 60 to 100 category? No, not really. I mean, almost got burned, hopped off Neiman again last week. Um, he looked that's the problem with these birdie fests. I think like this week is one of my favorite weeks to bet on because I yeah, feel like if it does play tough, like like we think, um, you can kind of feel good about a guy who is either leading after the first round or has the lead heading into the final round, and, and you can kind of grind it out where these birdie fest weeks, it's like a guy seven back has a pretty decent chance of winning if he does what Hovland did on the weekend at, at Mayakoba. So I hate the birdie fest week, so I'm very much looking forward um, to maybe a Mark Leishman or Adam Scott grind it out Sunday victory. All right, let's dig into these uh the 60 to 100 guys. Um Lanto 60, Eric Van Ruyen 60, Ian Poulter 65, uh Charlie Hoffman 65, Brandon Gray 75, Mito. Our guy Mito is at 80. <laughs> might be time. It might be time to get back on. <laughs> yeah, the the uh everyone's hopping off the Mito bandwagon now and it's like, I don't know, man. This this we talked about this. This is this is the joke that we made. Exactly. Like this is how it's going to go with Mito. Everyone is going to bet him and lose their mind over him uh, <laughs> when he's twenty-five and thirty to one, and he's going to finish like T eight a bunch of times, and then he's going to have like three really bad tournaments, similar to Sam Burns last year, and everyone's going to jump off him and think that Mito sucks, and then he's going to win like the Valspar at hundred to one. That is my official Mito projection. Yep. And believe me, he will have our attention every week and um, we will absolutely pounce when that happens. And maybe this is the week, 80 to one off a miscut. Um, pretty inflated number for everyone's darling, you know, corn fairy tour darling. Yeah. I, th- I, I, I think that um, he had one really bad Sunday round, right? Like he, he I was tracking him cause I, I, think I played him top 40 last week, which might be the route that I go this week as well, because I think you can just get a better number on him. I, again, like when you bet, I think I'm going to end up betting four guys between 30 and 50. So that just may be the card for me. Um, but you know, he, he was kind of out of it at the Mayakoba. He had already missed the cut. And a lot of those, like a lot of that 78, like he just, he was like plus four or five through his last like seven or eight holes. So he was probably just already on the beach. And, you know, I, 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 I like him on a more difficult course, Chris. Like, I I think that he is probably better suited for one of these courses than he is a pure birdie fest because his putter can sometimes fall behind. Whereas when pars are the name of the game, like no one's better at making pars than Mito. He's the number one player in this field in bogey avoidance pretty good scrambler and, and just a, like a really great mid to long iron player as well. So yeah, this, this might be, this might be the Mito week. We stopped at Mito. I, I, I got, we got cut off on Mito. I'll throw out the, the rest of the guys and then, and then let you tell me who you like in this range, but Vegas, 80, more 80, Woodland, 90, Munoz, 90, Ramey, a hundred, Cameron Davis, a hundred, Jason Day, a hundred, Kevin Streelman, a hundred, Grayson Sig, a hundred. Anyone kind of in that range before we do some bombs um, that you want to touch on as well? Only guy I was going to mention because, and this is because, like you said, I like to zag. Everyone was <clears throat> trying to be on the Charlie Hoffman week, and um, it has not come. I mean, he hasn't really come close to a top ten on any of these weeks. I think everyone's kind of 
seen his approach game stats and 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 um, are waiting for the hot putting week. Um, so maybe this is the week to sneak in on on Charlie Hoffman because the approach game has been pretty strong. Although it looked like it was terrible at the CJ Cup. But uh, talk about a guy who plays well in Texas, really well in Texas. Good Bermuda putter. Um, if the irons are dialed in and, and the putts fall, um, I like uh, Charlie Hoffman. And then another guy, the stats have been there, and I ended up backing off him last week, which was a good idea. But Jonathan Vegas seems like a guy who is close to a win one of these days, one of the better approach players on tour. Um, so Vegas and Hoffman for me in this range, I think, have my attention. Interesting. I, I like both of those guys. I think the only guy that I would add is actually two quick guys that I'll add. I bet Brandon Grace at 90 to 1. He rates out really well for me. I, I think he's got a really good short game, above average in bogey avoidance and scrambling. He's not the best long iron player, but he's been really good on Bermuda and he's coming off a seventh at the Zozo, which we don't have strokes gained. Uh, data for, but when, when he's played, he's proven to have a lot of elite upside, like fourth at the Memorial, seventh at the U.S. Open, second at the Wyndham, seventh at the Zozo. Um, I just think he can win, um, and, and I, I think like some of these guys are probably better bets to play well, but I, I just think Brandon Grace can win, and, and you see him contend at all these major championships and yep. courses with difficult conditions, so I think this is a better, uh, a good spot for him. And then I don't think I have room for Woodland, but but I, I still maintain this guy's going to have a good year. I, he he bogeyed the 18th hole last year, uh, last week to miss the cut by one, and it cost me so much <laughs> fucking money. You go top 40 on him, or I went top 40. He was probably him him and <sighs> him and him and JT uh, were the guys that I had in every single DraftKings lineup. So I mean, it was he's I I. Like the numbers tell me he's not far off and yep. he has, he has a good history of success on these courses. He's won before on Bermuda. Like I said, I may not have enough room for him on the outright car, but I'm going to continue to play Gary Woodland and other markets. He's probably my second favorite in this range. I like that. I I, I kind of like that a little more than, well, I like great. I love the grace call. You're, you're spot on with the, he kind of falls into the tough courses bucket um, here. But yeah, I'm a big Woodland fan as well. 90 to 1 seems like a really good number on him. Yeah, that's all I got in this range. Maybe Grace over Vegas. I think you might have convinced me on that one. In the uh, so last week in our in our little fantasy golf draft thing for for those that don't know me and Chris are in like an eight man uh, fantasy golf league with with a couple other um, Twitter guys that you probably know. I'm not going to list all of them here, but anyway, so uh, we each have like eight golfers, and and it's just at the end of the year who has the most money. I had uh, <laughs> I had the most guys playing. Last week, I had, I think I had seven of eight and zero of them finished in the top 40 of the tournament. Oh my God. <laughs> zero, zero <laughs> of the most guys playing, zero of them finished in the top 40 of the tournament. Hatton at T40 was the most money I got for that. <laughs> oh man, I just pulled up the, the spreadsheet now, actually. I forgot I had Neiman, so that, that's nice. Me Kirk and, uh, was my other guy. Kirk was the guy I was on last week and I knew... You know that that start was way too good to be true. I, I I'm really trying to 
not get excited on Thursday. I know Nagels is a big proponent of that. Don't tweet oh, we, on Thursdays. We can so. talk about him and his Washington <laughs> football bet. What a fucking disaster. Oh that my guy is. God. Disaster. Disaster. <laughs> the thing, the thing, started. The, the thing too about the football team bet is like he won't he won't let us give him shit about it. And no. it's like he will and not won't give in. Keeps telling me to let it play out like they're not, you know, like they're not, they're not three and down on defense. Yeah, they've got the Heineke experiment is, is over. Fitzpatrick's not saving them if he ever does walk through the door. Um, what a disappointment that team is and that everything about them. I mean, and, and just the things that I'll never let him live down, but he won't let me talk shit about like. He said he's they are everything he wants the Giants to be, and that literally was like a knife to my back because that that is one of the most embarrassing organizations in all of professional sports. So to 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 say you want the Giants to be like them in any way is it was quite sickening to hear for me. Well, the thing that's annoying about it too, and the reason why it's like unlike Nagels is because I kind of he's on Team Zag with us too, right? Like he will right. fade. He will face yes. himself a good narrative. He knows how to kind of go against the grain. That's kind of his whole philosophy with, with DraftKings. And the number one fucking obvious storyline this offseason was like, oh, look how good the Washington defense is. <laughs> like everyone is like, oh my God, the Washington defense, the Washington defense, the Washington defense. That's all anybody ever talked about. And they were like the trendy team that everyone thought was going to win. And it's like, that's a, and this is the same, keep in mind, they don't have a quarterback. (laughs) Right. Keep in mind is the same guy that I've, I've talked to him and he's like, I I want, I want the giants to be like the chiefs. I want them to be more like the chiefs. Meanwhile, the Redskins are, are Washington football team is like this downhill running team relying on defense and offensive line. You know, Heineke and Fitzpatrick kind of just throwing it up to Terry McLaurin. Like they're not like the chiefs in any way. So I don't know. I'm not sure what it is he wants. I think, I think he really just wanted chase young very badly. That's that is kind of the whole driving force behind this Washington football team love for him. He, and I get it. I mean, they won a game that if had they had lost, they would have likely drafted Chase Young been in a position to draft Chase Young, who, yes, appears like a elite pass rusher, but I mean, look, what has that gotten them? They're they're two and six. I just wish that he would like he won't give in, and it's like, dude, no, he keeps I, telling me to let it play out. I mean, it's, I, <laughs> it's over. The Cowboys are going to win the division. It's over. <laughs> There's it's no like, more let, letting it play out. It's like, dude, I, I make terrible bets all the time. That's like part of it. You have to like I. I was really high on the Seahawks this year. I bet a ton on the Seahawks to win the Super Bowl and the NFC and and to win their division. That's not going to work out for me. That was a bad bet, like that they're not that good at football. And it's like, that was a dumb mistake by me. I shouldn't have done that. And he, he's like, nah, it's, it's it, just, just wait. Like they like, just, just <laughs> it's coming. Just What's they've, coming? They've, they've played a lot of tough offenses. <laughs> oh my God. That, that was the last time the Chiefs looked good was against against that defense. That was the last time the Chiefs played a good offensive game was against this vaunted Washington football team defense. Yeah, I remember he was like, he was like, dude, they just played the Bills. Like, of course, they're going to give up 45 <laughs> points to the Bills. It's like the Bills, the Bills offense six points against the Jaguars. 
<laughs> oh my lord. Um, and it kills me. It, it, what really kills me is the Giants lost that game to them, which, I mean, we could do that. You could do it all year with like the swing plays with that offsides on Lawrence. That that really killed me. And, and then we, I think we played with them like, or no, that was back in the summer. Oh no, I played with them after that. Um, just Nagels and I, just a little twosome at Sunset Valley um golf course i think that was after washington had beaten them so that was that was a tough and, and that's the best part that day i forget which day it was it was it was the day no it was after denver it was after the opening game giants lost and they looked terrible and in the first fairway he's like so what you're just we're just not going to talk about the giants today so like he, he gives shit all the time too but the second you talk a little shit to him he kind of melts I love him too. And I, I know, I know he's listening to this. He'll, he'll, he'll like it that we're, that we're, uh, that we're, he'll, he'll, he'll come right back. He loves, some stuff. He I, he loves yeah, a the, good, loves a good mention. Yeah. The, the group chat will I'm sure be activated as soon as, as soon as this, uh, as soon as this drops out. Yeah. G- good luck with Tom Brady this week, buddy. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Um, bombs couple long shots there's two there's only two guys that i would mention and they're more of uh top 20 guys let me see here um i i want to get back to what you were saying before i've i've fallen into this trap of betting like two of the, the top favorites and then sprinkling a bunch of long shots i need to get back to my roots that middle tier upper that mid tier baby yeah 40 to 60 range so that that'll probably be probably will be what i do this week if i was going to go a long shot i'm looking down here um very unprepared oh harry higgs was the guy i uh, i had penciled in here played well recently at the cj cup not the cj cup the or no yes it was a cj cup yeah gained a bunch of strokes putting but also struck it very well with his irons that week um very good bermuda putter I don't know. Um, maybe a top twenty bet for on Harry Higgs. Love Harry Higgs. That's a that's another Nagel's guy. My guy this week is um, I, I'm high long term on Sahith Thagala. I think mm. I think Sahith Thagala is really good. I may have heard some uh, some some murmurs from the kind of the L.A. golf circuit about uh, you know he went to Pepperdine and and was awesome. He this is a guy with a lot of pedigree. He he was like the best collegiate player, and he's already contended on the PGA Tour, right? And yeah. I, I think similar to Mito too. Like we have a really limited sample size on him statistically, but I think that his game is better suited for more difficult courses. Um, I, like he he has a he's really well rounded. He has a really good short game, and he's he's a good putter. But it's not like he's a bad ball striker either and he's really good at avoiding bogeys and great scram, scram, scrambler pretty long off the tee so I, I really like Sahith in this spot he's probably my favorite like finishing position bet and you know he every measured start this year Chris he's gained over a stroke off the tee and a stroke on approach last time he was on Bermuda he gained three strokes ball striking at at this at, or putting at the Sanderson as well. So he's been good on Bermuda in a very tiny sample size. And I just think that he's a guy at 150 to one that I I don't know, he's done more than a lot of some of these other guys. Like he was leading the Sanderson farms, right? He's actually contended. And, and I'm surprised that there isn't more of a a Sahit thing. I'm happy to lead the charge. I I think this guy's really good, Chris. It is, it, it, you're right. You would think that would be like the big, the big Twitter darling, Sahith the Gala. 
Um, but uh, yeah, I guess I guess you got to win three times on the Corn Ferry Tour, like Mito, to get the attention of, of the gambling community. But the gala seems like he's already ready for the PGA Tour. So uh, yeah, I like that a lot. I like the finish finishing position bet on him a lot. The only other guy I was going to mention down here is just personal addiction. I think I mentioned the last time I was on your podcast. I think he had a really good first round in Bermuda a couple of weeks ago and then completely faded. And that's Brandon Haggy is all the way down at 250 to one. Um, bet him a bunch because he's always at these crazy numbers. Unbelievable off the tee guy. Doesn't always gain strokes off the tee, but when he has an elite off the tee week, he usually um, contends. He played well at John Deere. He was kind of in it until the back nine on Sunday. Uh, good week at Rocket Mortgage. Tough golf course, Honda Classic. He finished runner-up. That was kind of a corn ferry um, field with Matt Jones winning, but um, still a very hard golf course, and, and he played pretty well there. A bunch of middling finishes recently, high 50s, but he's making the cut, and um, I don't know. I think he's just – the approach game is is, is kind of hard to overcome when it's going as bad as it does for him, but he's kind of grinded it out with the driver and the putter, so – Brandon Haggy for me down here as, as a mega bomb. I like that. You, when you brought up kind of the, the distance thing, I, I also like Luke list uh, for better or worse. Mayo told me he thinks he's going to be really popular this week. So that yes. might be, that might be bad news, but I, I don't know why he would be that popular. It's not like there's a, there's a ton there. I mean, I think he rates out very well for this course, but you know, he's coming off a miscut at, at the Mayakoba. It's, it's just, it's tough to tell where less game is at because of, the last two tournaments that we played didn't have shot tracker, but I do kind of, I do kind of like him in this spot. Um, he was the, the only other guy that I was looking at, but I think that's it for me, man. Should we, uh, yeah. should we re- do a quick recap? And then, uh, I want to gripe about survivor for five minutes at the end too. And then, and then, and then we'll get yeah, out. Yeah, let's do it. Um, okay. So this is what I think I'm doing, Chris. I think I'm, I, I, I think you've, I think you've talked me into Brooks. I think, <laughs> I think, I think I'm going to do Brooks 30, Hatton 31, Adam Scott 36, Lowry 46, and uh, and Brandon Grace at 90. I okay. think that's I think that's very responsible. I very. think very workable. I think that fits with the return that I'm looking for and the investment that I'm looking for. I think Bazadenhout's cutting room floor, but we'll find a way to get our <laughs> Bazadenhout stuff in there. You talked me out and then back in on Brooks. So I think I'll <laughs> stick with Brooks. Um, man, I like the Hatton call, but he's kind of like, like, you know, everyone has their guys and he's never been, never Your been guy. one of my, That's fair. one of my guys, never been one of the core four type guys. So you could sub read in for Hatton and be, I mean, that's their, like, I'm cool with either of those. Okay. I'll do Brooks. I think for sure. I don't know if I'll, I'll run him back in the, in the, uh, Golf Digest picks column because I'm going to start looking like an idiot. I've had a rough, cold start to the year. So check in on that tomorrow night to see who I actually pick. But yeah, I will do Adam Scott. I'm all in on that. Mark Leishman, I probably will do, although I am already invested in him in our fantasy league. And yeah, I think I'll do Reed um, instead of Hatton. And then uh, long shots, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I, and I'm in on Grace. Totally you sold me on, on Brandon Grace. I think that. Uh, that's an excellent bet. 75 to one on Brandon Grace for sure. You can get him at you can get him at 90, I think, on on FanDuel too. FanDuel? Mm. Yeah. I think you can get him at 90. 
um, which you're in New Jersey, right? I'm in New Jersey. Now I, I've been doing most of my betting on my local, as uh, people like to say on Twitter, um, yeah. <laughs> a legal offshore account because um, I've just been trying to limit myself on the, on the other ones, DraftKings and FanDuel, because I don't want to just be depositing every week. And this guy is a, uh, just a Venmo situation every Monday morning, which is really nice. I'm a big fan of that. Um, oh, so I've been kind of just riding with that. Yeah, it, it really is. And uh, it sucks because I, I live in a legal state and I, you know, I know all these people from New York and, and states that can't bet. And they're like, oh man, I wish, I wish I could be in Jersey or I wish it was legal here. And I'm like, I just, I live in New Jersey and I bet on this offshore book still because um, the guy Venmo's me every Monday or I Venmo him. So um, it's a little bit more convenient for me, but there are some, you know, when you shop around, it's hard, it's hard to kind of stay away from, from some of these numbers. Yeah. Me and Kirshner, Kirshner hooked me up with this guy and he's really solid. And sometimes, <laughs> sometimes his numbers are way better than right. that's the other that thing you can yeah. find on, on FanDuel and DraftKings. And, and honestly, if there's a FanDuel or DraftKings number that I like way more, I can just find, I can text my friend and, and he'll get right. it for me. So, but yeah, I, 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 I'm with you, man. I, I think that I know they just made moves in New York, which I, I hope they make moves in California. Yes. I heard about that today. I mean, it, it is what it is. What's the, what's the deal in California? No, we, not, we not legal. We, yeah. We don't like money. Like, it's just like, <laughs> it's like, do they realize they could tax this and make so much money. I, I don't I know. Understand. Come on. Yeah. No, it's, it, it makes no sense. We'll be the last. We're so conservative on in well, I won- that stuff. But. Yeah. And I don't know. I, th- I just get this vibe. I played with this guy um, last week and we were talking, he's a California guy, but he moved to Asia for a few, a few years. And I don't know, somehow the, uh, oh, he lived in Chicago for a little bit. And, and he was like, I couldn't believe how crazy people were about sports there like every time i went into a bar it was like they had games on and i was like looking at them like that's like is that not what you do like do you, you go into a bar and you don't like sit and watch he's like oh i used to go to charger games growing up but it was just kind of you know a thing to do i'm like these people are like so like a little a little too laid back for me dude so i went to my first chargers game with feinberg and <laughs> I, I I need to hear all about it. That must have been a so, experience. I mean, there was there was negative tailgating scene. Like like <laughs> Feinberg wanted to get there early because I, I was I was joking with him. I was like, Feinberg, like you're probably gonna get recognized. Like these are your are you like the most famous Chargers fan? And he was like, <laughs> No, it's like Mario Lopez, bro. <laughs> but but so we got there super, super early and I was like, let's go intermingle with the people let's go let's go be chargers fans with with all these people there was there were patriots tailgates there were not chargers tailgates were non-existent and that oh and that God, uh brutal that stadium is like soulless dude it is like a yeah fucking, i'm like an airport terminal to, like oh. it is not it is a fucking machine you feel like you're in lax i'm i told you before the show i'm coming out um for giants chargers and I'm like half excited to see it because I've heard I hear it's oh it's amazing you know, obviously state of the art but yeah. like I'm not I'm also like I I hate that it's gonna be I already know what you're talking about it's like a soulless vibeless energyless type deal because I feel like that's just kind of the L.A. scene 
yeah. sports-wise, at least. You live there. You would know, obviously. Yeah, they just like it, Hollywood and weather. So it's right. like if if sports teams aren't doing well, like people are just right. like, fuck it. I'm just going to go to yeah. the beach. Like the, the do- I got a lot of respect for the Dodger fans. Like yes. the Dodger fans go hard. There's a really cool Dodger community. And there's also like some of the diehard Rams fans that have kind of always been with the Rams and stuck with them through St. Louis. Like that's a, that's a good fan base as well. But like the fucking Laker fans, like give me a break. <laughs> they're, they're the worst. And, and char- Chargers are a really fun team. It's it's a it's a shame that there's nothing really there, but they're a really fun team that is really awesome and fun to root for. And Herbert's the shit. And, and I know it's a shame. There's just there's none of them. Uh, that's brutal about the tailgate scene. Like I'm going, uh, I'm also going. Giants Eagles is in a couple weeks. Obviously, if things go the way I think they will, Giants will be out of it they'll lose to the bucks maybe they'll win the game after and kind of keep our interest for another week but i mean right now my friends and i are we're just playing we're literally planning the tailgate that that's pretty much it if we get into the stadium great if not there's just, it's just gonna be a party in in the uh shitty metlife stadium parking lot and it's gonna be like one of the most fun days of the fall yeah metlife's metlife's a good scene though i, yes. I like metlife a lot it's, like, it's an incredible scene and maybe the, you'll the have- stadium is soulless <laughs> um, it's gray. It's a dungeon. It's like a prison, but uh, it, the the parking lot vibe is still very much old Giant Stadium. Very solid. And I mean, I went with the mindset of like I'm rooting for the Chargers in this game with Jeff. There were Patriots tailgates. Like I bet you, you yeah. going as a Giants fan, you will get to intermingle and, and meet a bunch of other Giants fan, especially because L.A. has so many New right. York transplants that. I'm sure they'll be there. Speaking of the Chargers, last thing I want to close with this crazy survivor pool. So here's the deal oh with this. God. Here's the deal with this survivor pool. Chris operates this like giant 500 person survivor pool. We're going to call it 500 people because it makes me coming to the final five more impressive. But it's all of these people, like the entire Golf Digest staff, well, all these heavy unbelievable guys. mishmash. Yeah, we're not cousins. Gonna- yeah. Uncles, Golf Digest people, Andy Lack, Brian Kirshner was in it. I, I there because it was getting big, and I was like, "Why not?" These people like to gamble. I could find you know ten Nagels. Of course, said no. He was you know much more important Survivor pools um, to do. But yeah, I just like why not branch it out? Um, I'm gonna you know it's gonna get bigger hopefully, and I'm gonna have to run run it on one of these websites, but. Uh, for this year, I was able to kind of just keep it in a in a Word doc and and um, send out the email. And it's tough; people start to expect it, like expect the picks at a certain time. And like sometimes on Thursday night, you know, I might get some I got something going on, and I, all of a sudden I get the, the first week I didn't send it on Thursday night. I got ten texts like, "Where are the picks? You're slacking." It's like, is there anything else I could do for you people? <laughs> Running this whole freaking survivor pool, and you need the picks on right when the ball kicks on Thursday night, but. Um, <laughs> I've always been uh, the guy who organizes this stuff in my friends group. So um, people kind of look to me and yes, I enjoy it. I enjoy the camaraderie of it. Um, I enjoy getting my mom involved, my wife involved, my sister-in-law involved. And, you know, all of a sudden they're, they care about, you know, Bill's Jags on a Sunday. So um, it's, it's a lot of fun, but yeah, yeah, Andy made it to the final five and I'll let him take it from there. I was feeling myself, man. And, and I was, and remember we, we talk about it every week and I was like, 
that the Bengals is a fucking trap. Yep, I feel total trap. terrible about that game. I feel terrible about that game. And of, and of course, did Steve get eliminated on that? Steve was, and I was stunned by that because as much as I don't like to give Steve credit, I will give no, him credit. He kn- we can give he's, Steve some credit. He knows his stuff. I've talked football with Steve. He he's yes. smart about. It. He listens to the right things. Like I yes. talk football with Steve. He knows his stuff. Knows knows. Um, he should have known better that than than that spot. And and I was um surprised that he he was on on the Bengals. And I you know, in for integrity's sake, I send out my pick first, or I started doing that a couple weeks in because someone questioned me. One of my douche friends questioned me. Um, so I started sending it out first and uh, I knew that Bengals would be popular. It ended up being like there was 20 people left and like 15 people picked them. So like you said, I, I zagged and went chargers and um, they lost the Patriots at the game you were at. So that was sometimes zagging um, can bite you as well. But honestly, I don't know who else, I, I guess Bengals would have been my next pick anyway. So I didn't really feel too bad about it. I forgot who you, who you picked that week. Chiefs. Chiefs. <laughs> Squeaker. That's right. <laughs> that, we were texting about that. That was a squeaker. So you survived that. And then, uh, look, I like the Rams pick. I thought it was the right pick. I think it's time to admit that the Titans are Good. extremely, extremely legit. Yeah. And, and the only reason why I'm not beating, because another guy picked the Bills. So it would have been I, on Sunday. I was yes. like, oh, oh. And then there were, then there were, I four. was with that guy tonight, Coleman. We had our, I mentioned that in person meeting. Hadn't seen him in like, since the pandemic started, because he doesn't really play golf. So he hasn't come to some of the, the, the company golf outings. So we were chatting about it and he, he was saying how he emailed me. He said, I'm not going to get cute this week. Just give me the bills. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But uh, yeah, two people had the Colts that, you know, that was a nice pick, I guess. I mean, Jets almost backdoored him. And then the, the other guy had the Ravens, who, who were dead in the water, it looked like. I know. That was, the, that was the other game where I was like, this is done. I'm, I'm counting it for myself. So that you, you ran into the same problem I ran into. When the Bengals were losing, or it looked like they were going to lose, I was yeah, beating we my chest. During that game, I was like, yes. I'm, 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 I'm going to report on ground. <laughs> and I knew the did. second I texted two of my friends that had them, I was like, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have done it until the Chargers game was over. And next, I mean, you were there. I, I was, I had red zone on. They didn't really ever appear to be that in it. I mean, I know it ended up being like a one score game or three point game or whatever, but uh, Patriots seemed to handle them pretty, pretty well. Well, everyone on Twitter that I'm sure now wants to get into uh, this uh, survivor pool, just just DM Powers. I'm sure. Yeah, he would, please. I'm sure he will love that. Chris, I think we did a pretty good job of. Uh, I think we went like 45 golf, 30 up, <laughs> um, which was like better than the ratio that I expected when we started. But tell everybody real quick where they can where they can find you this week. What do you got to plug? Yeah, so be right, obviously, be right podcast. Me, Steve Hennessy, Alex Myers. We will be doing it together in person tomorrow, post Sites Cup. So oh, it'll be I our first. This is, this is funny. This is a little full circle. The last time we did it in person, all three of us in the same room, Tyrrell Hatton had just won at Bay Hills. So that might be a nice little sign for your Tyrrell Hatton bet this week. So this is going to be the first time. We figured, why not? We're going we're gonna to be all together tomorrow. 
Um, I'm sure Hudson National will accommodate us. And, it, it, you know, it'll be fun to kind of react to um, what I hope is a, a win in my match with uh, my guy Curtis Loop um, against Dan Rappaport and Max Adler. So be on the lookout for that. Hopefully it'll go live tomorrow night. And then uh, the Golf Digest picks post will be up. Steve and I will be probably a little late on that one. That might come out Wednesday morning because we usually get everyone's picks. Some people um, tend to send them late on Tuesday night. So uh, we'll probably get that out Wednesday morning. But yeah, listen for the live in-person Be Right podcast um, tomorrow night. Chris Powers, everyone. Reaction. Yeah, <laughs> Chris Powers, everyone. Coming to you live tomorrow night after the Sykes Cup writer for Golf Digest. Chris, thank you so much. One more time for joining me and best of luck tomorrow. I'm pulling for you. All right. That's it for the show. Special thanks one more time to Chris Powers. And I will see you guys next week for the RSM Classic. Cheers. Cheers.